Welcome back to the Role Player Podcast, presented to you by the good people over at Swish Cultures. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Also, follow us on all social media, YouTube, IG, TikTok, and Twitter with the handle at Role Player Media, or on Swish Cultures' YouTube page. I am Jordan Taylor, 12-year pro, EuroLeague vet, rolling with the multi-talented Stanford gentleman, retired 11-year pro, and Swish Cultures co-founder, the one and only Anthony Goods. Ant, what's happening with you? All right, don't don't start with me today. I already know. I know what you're I know. It's been, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, look, yeah, go ahead. I'm quarter, trying to find the angles. Go ahead. Don't stop. Transition <laughs> Yeah, you're trying to find hey, angles. Hey, you're gonna need to slide out. The, <laughs> hey, you're gonna need to slide out to Istanbul. Get that, uh, man. Get that man, I'm, I'm going on Tuesday. Good, I'm in London though. You know, they got the little they got the enhancements over here, so I ain't even gotta go to Istanbul yet, man. But it's been a long week. I was throwing right. up, man. It's crazy. It's, it's tough. It's tight on me, man. Uh, man, shit. <laughs> Hope not. <laughs> no, no promises. <laughs> Never know. It's crazy out here, man. But hey, we got a good guest with us, man. Today we got all a guy, all Turkish, all Turkish league first team in 2023. Excuse me, all VTB United League second team in 2022. That's in Russia. For those that don't know. Three-time All-NBA all NBA for the G League, second team, a consensus second team All-American in 2017. He won the Carl Malone Award out of Baylor, was All-Big 12 a couple times, and now rocking with Fenerbahce over in the Euro League. We got the, the talented big fella, Mr. Jonathan Motley, man. Appreciate you joining us, man. You go by Jonathan or John? What you, what you want to go by? Uh, no, nah, another nobody called me Jonathan. J. Mott. J. Mott. Money. I see you got that yeah. on the screen. Yeah, don't know why. Yeah, don't right. know why I really called me Jonathan. All right, well, my, 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 my apologies for putting your whole government on the podcast like that, man. <laughs> uh, apologies. But yeah, man, so we appreciate you joining us. We're going to start right back in the league where you where your career started you know you were the first ever for those that don't know the first ever two-way player for the Mavs back in 2017 did you know that you knew that yeah yeah, yeah I did know that I was I was the first two-way player ever traded first two way. So I, was, yeah, I, was, I was experimenting experimental, <laughs> experimental. So. so I guess di- dive into that mm-hmm. man what was your thoughts on the two-way then and, and where it's gone now so far uh, no, nah, it's cool, man. You know, I was, I didn't really know, you know, I was just trying to eager to get to the league, you know, so you know how it is. Uh, after my junior year, I thought I had like a crazy year, you know, come on award, but I did get injured. So, uh, like around pick 40 on draft night, my agent told me, uh, you know, the mass is going to get you on two and you're going to go and draft it. So I knew pretty much, uh. You know, pretty early what was going to happen. So, what yeah. was what was the the two way experience though? Like, was it? Do you feel like it was? Because you know, you said you're trying to get your feet wet. So, do you feel like it was like a genuine experience, or was it something where it was kind of like, all right, they're just bringing you in to have you here, if if that makes sense? Um. Well, no, I knew the Mavs had some interest for a long. They didn't have. I know they had one pick that year, mm-hmm. Dennis Smith. Uh. So I knew they were gonna try to get a second pick for me, but nothing ended up happening. So. Um, to be honest, I don't know. I didn't like it for real. Like, uh, it was because I was like, like I said, I was the first one. I was, ex- I think it was like more of an experimental thing. Uh, we were tanking that year too, so it was just like a weird thing. So even if I did play good, trying to win games, 
like they didn't want to win, you know what I'm saying? So it it was like a weird thing. It was it was all crazy for real, for real, for real. Yo, so my what's bad. the, what's the vibe slide, like? It slides to the left a little bit, right? So it's a little more centered in the camera. Yeah, yeah. Okay. My fault. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what's the so what's the vibe like on an NBA team when when the team is tanking? Like, what's the energy like around you know amongst the players and stuff like that? Um, I don't think the vibe really changed between the players. You know, we all trying to do our job, trying to win. Uh, but you know, that's a little more of like a front office thing, to be honest. Like, uh, you know, maybe control the lineups. You, you'll see some weird stuff with the lineups and things like that. Like. Um, but other than that, like from a player standpoint, I think it's pretty like everybody trying to go out there and hoop for real. Like, you know, it ain't, ain't nobody trying to lose. Uh, it's just more of a thing. Like you'll be winning and then coach will throw some weird lineups out there and then just be like, oh, hell break loose for a second. And then, you know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> like that type of thing. Like it just be a whole bunch of weird things. You don't really know why stuff happening or why he's making the decisions he's making, but you just kind of go with it because everybody's still trying to play. You to, know what I'm saying? To me, those are like the hardest environments to hoop in, though, like just because, like you said, ain't nobody trying to lose and everybody trying to win, but everybody got yeah. their own agenda and every, and nobody has a checked agenda. You know what I'm saying? It's like Buddy might be trying to get 41. Yeah, exactly, night, you know exactly. Saying? Yeah, so I'm like, I'm out there. Every time I go out there, I'm balls <laughs> to the wall. Like... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm really I had a good rookie year too. Like at the end, you know, they like all the guys at the end of the bench start playing. Like I think my first game I played, I had like 26 and 12. Like I'm I'm thinking, I'm like, oh yes, I'm finna start rocking. Um and we end up losing that game crazy. We weren't even supposed to lose that game. We coach took Dennis out at the end. I'm like, oh my God, why? <laughs> You throwing your performance away, <laughs> bro. Throw it away, man. I hit like a three-two to tie it up. Uh, at like last minute, like last thirty seconds of the game, and then Dennis out. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what's going on, but you know, you just try to like hoop and go through it, and try to just show that you what you can do. So that's all you can really do for. So it. when you got to when you left Dallas, because uh, spent more time with LA, right, with the Clippers. What was your experience there? Uh, what was it like there with the Clippers? Uh, LA was cool. Like I liked the the culture, the staff. Uh, Everybody was real cool. You know, I had some dope teammates. Uh, Trez, Pat Bell, Lou Will, um, Zubak, man, them all good guys. I even played with Kawhi and PG. Uh, we had Shea when he was uh, a baby in the league. Um, yeah, what, so was Shea was, like? what was Shea like back then? What you see in Shea? Yeah. Nah, he was cooking. He was cooking. He, he was cooking for a long time, like. That's the one dude I've seen, like, who, like, really didn't let Pat Bell pressure get to him. Like, you know, Pat is a real good defender, but Shea's so tall, man. Like, in practice, he just gets to his spot, shoot over the top. And I've seen it early on. And he worked hard, too. Like, he always in the gym uh, grinding. So I knew he was going to be good. You, you, you know, knew he was sure. going to be this good? Yeah. Like, you say you saw it. You saw this, like, 30 a night, Shay, like, dominating, work, like, all that? I, I think it's all about opportunities, like, in time. And, you know, like, in the Clippers, we had Doc, Doc, a veteran coach. He liked bets. So, like, he was showing flashes, but Doc wasn't really, like, you know, all in on it yet. From my eyes, you know, like, he wasn't getting 30 minutes a night, you know, with the Clippers. He just wasn't doing that. But, you know what I'm saying, if you get that time and opportunity, sky's the limit in the NBA, you know, because there's so much space, uh, talent going to show, you know, if you get the time. I also think, too, I mean, as a, as a guard, speaking about Shea, like, 
bumping up against Pat Bev and Avery Bradley. Yeah. Like those are yeah. you know, those are two of the the, the greatest mm-hmm. perimeter defenders in, in in recent memory. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that probably had a lot to do with his development too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like yeah, I seen Shay, he was he was he didn't really let none of that pressure rattle him. Like I said, he was in practice always just kinda being able to produce and doing what he do, you know, it was just a matter of him getting opportunity, time, and then you know, once you get that time and confidence, sky the limit. I, I feel for the NBA game because the NBA game is just kind of like a free flowing style game, and uh, I think for him, it, it fit perfect. And what you what what do you think you learned the most while you were uh, with the Clippers from that experience? Um, and really like consistency. That was my thing. Like just being consistent every night. Like I said, I had like some real good guys. Like I was real cool with Pat, Lou and Trez and just being able to like, you know, do the same thing every night, even on the nights you don't want to play basketball. Like Lou used to say sometimes like everybody's good one day, but what you going to do on the days that you don't want to play basketball? You know, you know, you know, every Hooper got those days where like you ain't feeling it. And like, what you gonna do on those days? That's what make you good for it. Was uh, was Taylor Dosage yeah. on them rosters too? Did you play with Taylor? He was gone. Yeah, yeah, Milos. Yeah, Milos. But he was he was injured most of the okay. year. But yeah, Milos was there. Yeah, I had some I had some crazy guys. Tobias Harris. Like um, I played with some 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 dudes, man. Um, like I said, PG and Kawhi came. PG was injured when he first got there. I'm bumping with PG one on one every day, like. Like, but that's when I knew I, I felt like I could play basketball. I was like, I was holding my own against these guys, and I'm going against trades every day, holding my own. So you know, I was like, I, that's when you I gained confidence from the experience for real. Yo, it's, all right. So like, here, here's a question for both of y'all. I mean, I feel like when you look at kind of like the American style of basketball, and it just pretty much how yeah. we go through practice on a daily. Like, you playing ones against like really talented one on one players almost yeah, on a daily, yeah, yeah. right? And then when you come overseas, it's it's not the case. It's the the game practices, everything is just so much more team oriented. Like, yeah, I feel like the moment like guys come overseas, it's hard to progress at the same pace as when you're in the states, just because the culture of practice is so different. Nah, for sure. Like, like I said, I, I feel the same way because in in the league when I was like working out, like you working, so I wasn't playing, right? So I'm working out so much that's just just hooping like working on my game the whole time so like i feel like i was doing stuff like i was like it's like all off camera but you know what i'm saying like in practices i'm like dribbling shooting pull up threes like and this is the thing they encouraging you to do this because you're not playing you know what i'm saying going off the dribble handling uh you know doing things like that so yeah i think as an individual and you just put your mind to it as an individual you'll get a lot better playing in the nba but you know, you got to be able to show it on the court and then, you know, opportunity and then your role play into it. So all the stuff you're working on, you might not even be able to use for it. But it'll help you, you know, uh, you know, have an impact on the game. You know, just those little intangibles and things you pick up. Yeah, and I feel like, too, people, I, I think probably casual basketball fans don't realize the guys that aren't playing – the workouts and the uh, shit that they're doing before the games, like yeah, on a nah, daily basis, it ain't no nah, joke, bro. bro. Nah, I was, yeah, I was damn near going through a full game before the game. You know, like, rookies, sophomores, three-year in the guys, you got to get there four hours before the game start because you're working out before all the other guys get there. So I'm playing full three-on-three, full, you know, one-on-ones, hard, 100% before the NBA game even starts. 
And that's my game, you know. That was my game, you know. So, like I said, I feel like I was a super talented player, like, uh, in the NBA, just being able to just do a lot of things. Like, and then, you know, you come to Europe, they uh, put you in a box a little bit, and you got to, like, play this role. But luckily, when I came to Europe, I came, I went to Loco. Uh, so I really walked into, like, the perfect situation in Europe. Like, I had a coach that was like, uh, go out there, play, do your thing, and, you know, help the team win. So in local, I was I was going crazy. Like, I was, you know, handling the ball, doing things I can do. And then when you come to EuroLeague, you know, they got to push you back down. <laughs> and then you got to play a certain role. Like, jump shot. Like, I feel like my whole outside game just gone. Like, like I'm picking and rolling. That's it. And then I got, you got to find a way to eat in between that. Like, man, that's it. It was funny is like you really leading us into these questions crazy, man, because it's really <laughs> it's really all the things that you really wanted to talk about. It's like what at, at Loco yeah. did you feel like you had a chip on your shoulder going over there to show everything that you could do? Like Yeah, for sure. Cause you know, that stigma from coming from the NBA to um Europe, you know, they don't think you play basketball the right way. So like I had Euroleague teams telling me like um they don't even know if I can play in EuroLeague. Like, we don't think you can play. Like, you calling me, so you interested, but then you telling me you don't think I can play. So, like, it, so that's how I really ended up at Loco. I, I almost walked into a few uh, EuroLeague teams, but uh, I just felt like the situation went right. Like, I wanted to come in Europe and dominate. And then, you know, I didn't want to, like, climb too many steps. Like, I wanted to go one, Euro Cup, EuroLeague. That's, that was my plan. Like, my plan was to come to Finner or one of these type of teams in one year. That was that was the goal for sure. What did you see? Okay, so you say you did want to you wanted to go Euro Cup and then Euro League. So what yeah. was what was it about that situation that uh that made because I feel like a lot of it's so hard, I think, for a lot of guys to, especially leaving the league, to turn down Euro League because it's like, all right, that's the second best league in the world. Like yeah. you know what I mean? So to 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 voluntarily go to like a Euro Cup situation, um what was yeah. that for you? Uh, but for me, it went too hard because, like I said, the money was the same. Like, you know, when they're going to lowball you when you come into Europe uh, anyway. Uh, so, like, the yearly teams was offering the same money as Loco was. So it wasn't really, like, a too hard of a decision. Like, I get less money, have a bigger role, or have less money trying to find a role on a team that's trying to play a certain way. I'll go to a team where I can do what I want and dominate. Cause like I said, I already I know what type of player I was. I just need time. Like I just need if I get if I'm on the court, good things gonna happen. Like it's just my confidence and uh, in me. So loco, like I said, I was just going crazy and uh, and things were just working out. And also I had a coach who was just you know, very encouraging. Like you know, sometimes these uh, European coaches can like kind of down you a little bit uh, when you're coming over as a first year guy. <laughs> So, but I had a coach who saw potential in me right away. He was like, "Nah, you, we got to get you to your league. Like, you, you, you're not supposed to be here." So, he was just telling me to go and do what I do. So, uh, that was that was. I really walked into a perfect situation for real. And I had a crazy good guards, uh, Darius Thompson, Eric McCullum. Like, I still talk to E often because he in Turkey. You know, what I'm saying E was just. Helping me along, telling me the things they was gonna do. He was even preparing me for the situations. He was like, "All right, now you're doing all this in loco. You're going coast to coast. You're, you're shooting jumpers, <laughs> fadeaway, middies, and all this. When you get there, that's not gonna happen. So embrace it right now. 
<laughs> eat and then be, be prepared to eat in your little small role on your little team. The money going to be good, but you got to have to find a way to produce in this little small little box and that go from there. Literally, one of my questions was, how do you how do you find the balance, man, between, like, because you, you have to simmer your talents, right, to a degree when you're playing with Fenner, but also find a way to flourish and, oh. and be effective. So... How do you manage that balance, like mentally and and from a basketball sense? Uh, I ain't gonna lie. Mentally, it's tough sometimes because, like, as a basketball player, like me, I just like to hoop. So, like, even in, when the season over, I I go hoop right away. Like, I go play summer league programs. Uh, I'm working out. I just, I just like to hoop. So I'm open gym. I'm I'm that type of dude. Like, I don't really take no breaks. I'm I'm just like a. Cause I think that's kind of my style, like more of the open gym, free flowing game. I don't really have a niche. I'm like a big man that can dribble a little bit, shoot a little bit, uh, pass a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, like that's where I feel comfortable, like just kind of playing free. So I I kind of get my rocks off in the summer. Like in the summer, I go to my program games and I'm going doing my coast to coast thing. All the stuff I can't do over here, I go do that in the summer. And uh, so that helped me, like, stay into it. And then here I just really just try to stay on the court. Because, like I said, if I'm on the court, I can, I'll get my numbers. I'll do good things. I'll help the team win. So I just got to try to make the coach happy to where he keeps me on the court. So whatever he wants me to do to stay on the court, I do that. And then if I'm not there long enough, I'll be able to mm-hmm. get the, you know, get what I want yeah, out of it. One of the one of the hardest things for me when you in Euro League, specifically Euro League, but Euro Cup to a degree is like you averaging anywhere from nine to 13 or whatever. And that's like, you a really good player like in Euro League, but yeah. you go back home and your boy's like, damn, like, what you doing? Like, you only nine points? Like, what you doing? <laughs> like, nah, for real. <laughs> nah, for real, for real, for so, real, yeah. That's exactly yeah, how that was, that was yeah. always tough for me. Like, mentally, it's like, all right, you doing your thing, you doing well, but it's like, man, fuck, like, <laughs> fuck is this? Yeah, nah, it be times where I have, like, 12, 13 points, and I'll be like, dang, I ain't play good. But then all of a sudden, be like, great game, great game, good job. I'll be like, ah, no way. <laughs> I was <Yeah>. trash. <laughs> there, there go a couple points in time, though, especially especially the older you get when you don't worry about the, that 12, 13, that's going to keep getting you next deals. And you be like, yeah, I was, man, I was, I'm, I'm like that. Yeah, a little 12, yeah, 13. Yeah, that's, yeah bro, I, like last year, man, my freshman year in league, I was trying to go <laughs> stupid. And I was, I was averaging like 15 and six, and that's like amazing. But I was like, I wasn't satisfied mm-hmm. though. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because last year, like two years ago, local, I'm averaging 20 mm-hmm. in both leagues. Um, so I'm like, all right, uh, I guess it's okay. Cause, you know, everybody patting you on the back. Great, great, great. So it's like a little switch you got to uh, You gotta have, you know, coming from American basketball to European basketball. Like I said, I'm still kind of mm-hmm. new here too, to be honest. So I'm still like trying to get over that that fact that that 12 or that 13 is really good, and in my head I'm like, nah, that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I'm still battling with, but I think it's gonna get yeah. better over time. I think to me, I think like the like the love that you get when you get in that 12, 13, and then you're going to start here, like, NBA teams, this and that. Hopefully y'all are going to Final Fours and stuff. Like, there, there is that thing with EuroLeague, like, mm-hmm. the, the crowds of EuroLeague, and I never got to play in the Final Four, but just that atmosphere of EuroLeague is 
is almost like more collegiate than yeah. anything. Like it's it's satisfying and gratifying mm-hmm. to play in. So, um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's just like it's just college with uh better players. Yeah. That's what I think yeah. it is. Yeah, just saying because the crowds be amazing though. I, that's the that's my favorite thing yeah. about playing here. Like just like going walking into Serbia, Belgrade, walking into Athens, everybody hates you. Like I don't, I mm-hmm. feed off of that. I love that. I like I dunk. I'm yelling at the crowd, and then you know they whistling at you. I'm like, yeah, that's what you hoop it. for, for real. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah, you yeah, hoop yeah. for. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. So that's that's the that's the best thing about your league to me, the environments. So what's sure. uh, take take out the environment? What's more enjoyable though? Like, is it hooping, going to get buckets in Euro Cup, or is it the playing with the better players? Because both of them have its merits, right? Like, you know, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I ain't going to lie. For me, I like being free. Like, cause like I said, I think I'm best when I'm, like, kind of can pick, like, uh, like for a big example, like, you know, you'll have a play where you design to pick and roll. Like, most plays I'm picking and rolling, right? But in my Euro Cup team, my coach also gave me the option because I'm a little undersized, uh, you know, and usually you got a seven-footer pretty much on every team. So I, my coach gave me the option to pick and pop, like, our uh, pick and short roll or pick and, you know, run to the side, catch the ball and attack. Like, but here I'm having to roll against seven footers all day. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, just get to me right here. I can take them from right here. But down there, he got an advantage. Like, like me area, I got the advantage. So it's just like, nope, we just need you to take this guy so that guy can help. And then we're going to swing it to the corner. You know, it's just that little thing. Like I'm still, I'm still trying to like get used to that, but that's, that's you, the thing I really don't like. Cause I like being able to like you pick don't get and it choose. the first time. Run your ass back up here and set the screen again. <laughs> run your ass back up and run right back down again. Do it again. Hey, man, right back down. I, yeah. I always try. You got it. You got to feed bigs in Euro League because man, that's the it's the easiest. Like, cause the job is easy in the sense that if you roll right and they reward you for doing less right, but that shit look like, but you really yeah. a workhorse. Like that shit nah, is not man. enjoyable. Not. Yeah, especially like being you know, a little like not seven foot man. This is like <laughs> all right, man. Like, come on, like let me let me just go get him right here at the little free throw line. I'm gonna shoot one. He gonna come close mm-hmm. and I'm gonna go by him. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy, but now nah, it's like nah, you gotta. Make sure you touch that little square, the <laughs> circle in the paint. Do it again, cause they it's like a more. I think for like my coach, he's like more guard oriented too. So we want he wants like the spot threes and things like that. So we want you to draw that corner defender in, so we can swing, swing corner three, swing, swing top of the key three, uh, that type of thing. Yo, what's uh what's one attribute about Etudis that you think makes him? Uh, a good coach. What do you think is his best attribute as a coach? Uh, probably preparation. I think he do a good job of like pre- pre- preparing for the next team, like analyzing the game and trying to figure out ways to, uh, you know, take their disadvantages and making them our advantages. I think that's what he do the best, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, last year when he brought the uh, when he brought the laptop to the press conference. I- I'm telling you, hey, yeah, that was funny, bro. <laughs> I was dying. I ain't never seen Were you there like for that. that. No, nah, I'm telling you, 
Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, yeah. no, good. Yeah, was you there for that? I'm telling you, he probably watched it. Oh, uh, okay. Nah, nah, I seen it on, uh, I seen it, I seen it join on social media. I was like, Man, he nah. probably watched that clip all <laughs> night. I'm not even kidding you. Like, he, probably, he probably watched that same clip all night like that. I know that bothered him. He don't like <laughs> stuff like that. Like, he... It be on the rest, man. Hey, be on do y'all do y'all feel like like you mentioned NBA more free flowing, which is better? Do you feel like that free flowing style is slowly coming to Europe at all, specifically Euroleague? In like uh, Monaco, I think yeah, I think some teams starting to, yeah, like some teams starting to adapt. It, it really depends on your coach, because uh, I think the coaches here have like a way bigger uh, influence on the game than in uh, in the NBA, so. Whatever your coach likes, then that's pretty much what you're gonna do. Like, I think Basconia played like a real free flowing mm-hmm. style, um, and you know I think the coach, the, the old coach uh, before Dushko, I think that was just kind of his mm-hmm. thing, you know, uh, shoot a lot of threes, get out of transition, and space the space the floor as much as possible. So I think it just depends on your coach. Did for uh, uh, FS, yeah, and you know. I, yeah, he's good too because he got some. Uh, Adam and like you know he catered to his players. You know what I'm saying? I think he kind of he's one of them coaches that just like if he got the players, he you gonna go. He gonna reward you for uh, you know what you're doing, but he also gonna grill you in, in the media too if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. So it's a lot that come with that freedom in Europe too because you know I think you'll get grilled a little bit more um, having that type of freedom and you got to deal with the fans and. You know, front office sometimes, you know, and and your coach is going at you too. So it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, I remember I watched the uh, – I watched Real Madrid play against Dallas. And then, you know, that experience. And then also I was in a – I was at the, the World Cup where Team USA would be playing against a bunch of other uh, yeah, countries yeah, yeah. and stuff. And it's funny, like, when you see – when you have that NBA style of play on a European floor against European teams, the European teams start trying to play at that pace. But yes. then they start yeah. to struggle a little bit, but they're getting up the quick shots and, and things yeah. like that. And I think that sometimes, kind of like you said, you know, the teams that do slow it down, it really just comes down to roster construction. Like if you look mm-hmm. at Ottoman's yes. teams and, and Monaco, like they got guys that have that experience that can that can play that style of ball, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, certain teams just ain't got the pieces that are going to be, you know, yeah. good exactly. enough for that, for that style of play. It is it's, exactly. it's always to your point. It's always crazy to me to watch. Like here in London, we play like because we've had NBA coaches and we've had guys come from Europe, and you see dudes yeah. who are like high IQ guys, and they start picking up the pace. They start yeah. playing faster, and that IQ shit go out the window. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck is you doing? Like, it's like the it's not the it's not the come off the high screen roll swing swing. It's like. Come off the high screen. Hey, if this dude's high, this guard's going to turn the corner. You know what I'm saying? If you don't, you throw it back, swing it real quick. You got to get to that dunkard over there. You're not just coming back up to the screen, right? And it's like you see that shit, the dudes be lost. And I'm like, man, y'all just. Nah, it's a different. It's way different. That's why I said, like, that's why you was talking about that the World Cup thing. Like, I feel like the only way you beat a Team USA is if you shoot the ball crazy. Like, Like, that's the only way. You know, and 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 this type of tournament, it's only one game too. So, mm-hmm. like when they lose that one game, it's, I don't think it's necessarily like those teams are better. Like they just shot the ball crazy uh, that time. Like, if you play 
three games, five games, you getting beat by mm-hmm. thirty most of them games. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like so, but in this thing, you you see you see this, they get beat one time, and everybody like, oh, you're like you're you know, it's like we're better. Like, but nah. also, also too, like you know, and I'm there, like I'm obviously uh, one of the only like Americans there, and uh, you know, the European media, they were they're excited, you know, USA losing yeah. and stuff. And they just kept talking. It's because, it, and it was around the time, you know, everybody's talking about the world champion conversation and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. But so the funny thing was, though, is like everybody's talking about like Germany and all this other stuff. I'm like, all these teams got NBA players. <laughs> like, you look at Germany, you got, German whole you got team Schroeder, NBA. you got Wagner, like, yeah. you got all these NBA guys with some, with some good European role players. Like, they're yeah. able to play at that pace and be successful yeah. and slow it down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I think that, you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, I, I think the European media in particular, man, they just kind of, you know, get hung up on, okay, we just beat USA, you just beat USA. But it's like, yo, the players that y'all got came from USA and are used to that style of play. So they're, yeah. Able, yeah. To, they're able to be competitive in these games. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Exactly. How y'all feel about the uh, him saying the world championship thing? Though I don't, I feel like it was a crazy. It's weird to say like because the NBA is a world game. Like it's a it's an American game, but it's the world game too. Because the best players. <laughs> oh, oh you talking about the track by Noah right. Lies or <laughs> Yeah, the track. Yeah, home, yeah, track man. The, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. Technically, you're right, but I mean, the best players in the world are there, so it's like, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying. I don't think even the NBA using saying world championship as to knock on everybody else either. It's just what they call my, it. My theory know? about that for a long time is even the a lot of the Europeans in the NBA, like take out Luka Jokic, like fine, but a lot of the best Europeans really develop their game in America. So it's like yes, Dirk, you yes, Dirk, like yeah, he had his yeah. coach, whatever, he went back to Germany, but bro, like he was in America from seventeen. You know what I mean? <laughs> like 17, yeah. 18 years old. So what are we 100%. talking about? And they wear most of the Europeans when they're young too. Like so and that so they really do grow through the whole NBA system. Like and when they was in Europe, y'all talking about how they love them, but in, in Europe, y'all had them on the, on y'all second division team. You know what I'm saying? Like y'all they weren't even playing at child highest level in Europe. And then they come over to the NBA, get developing, then start becoming MVPs, all NBAs. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like Y'all just really taking that, like, once they get successful. But what you was talking about when they was on your second division Man, team. You, that, that's a whole right. podcast, and I'm going to sound like a hating-ass nigga if I get into it. Because like, my, my whole, like, you even even yeah. when you break down, like, the world game, you go look at, you ever looked at an NBA uh, international players list when they say there's 160 international, whatever it is? You ever looked at the list? Kyrie on uh-huh. there. I know it. Reggie Jackson oh, yeah. on okay. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, bro, yeah, why would Tim that. Duncan yeah, was yeah. on there? Like, what are we doing right now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, relax. Like, stop. <laughs> but, <it> was... <laughs> but I think but I think if you look at it from the standpoint, you could ask anybody in Europe, like, okay, who are the best European basketball players in the world? And, you know, they're going to name probably everybody that's in the NBA. They're going to go Jokic, Giannis, they're going to Luka all the way on down. I think the majority of them are in the NBA. So if the best European players in the world are in one league, the best American basketball players in the world are in one league. Exactly. 
what are we, we talking even about? debating here? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about, my man? Yeah, that's like, yeah exactly. Like, what are we talking about? Are from a technicality enough? standpoint, like, if we're going to sit yes. here and, and define the words, like, yeah, okay, we can't yes. call it a world championship, but at the end of the day, the best players and teams in the world are in one league. Fuck that. It fits. That's a world championship. It fits, yeah, exactly. About, that's the dumbest shit I ever heard. Yeah, exactly, it fits. And the other thing about that too is when it when an American to your point that you made earlier, the if when Americans come over to Europe and they don't succeed, it's oh well they can't fit the style, they can't you know they don't know basketball. But when the best Europeans go to the NBA and can't quite figure it out, it's oh the NBA is dumb, the NBA is this, the NBA is not real basketball. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. come on man, like what we ah (laughs) yeah ah. Yeah, come on, yeah, nitpicking, nitpicking. So, yeah. I, that's I <laughs> you know mean, what it is. Whatever, that's some somewhat. Like I said, you could have a whole podcast on that, man. But with the, I guess, some of that in mind, talk about some of the best, some some bigs that you've uh, that you, I guess, admire or or respect in Europe in Euroleague. Oh, man, uh, for me, I think Savar is the best. Really? Uh, like just impact on the game, like his impact crazy on the game. Uh, and, and Poirier too. Poirier been playing, playing good too. I like him too. Um, I think uh, I think one. I like Molotinov too. He's good. Olympiakos. Uh, cause I played against him a lot mm-hmm. in Russia, so mm-hmm. I had got real familiar with him. I thought he was real good, just doing his job. You know, they, he just, just clog up the paint, grab rebounds. Like I, I think just doing his job, like. Tim and Tavares and Poirier, like, I think that top two for me. That's, uh, do y'all feel like teams attack Tavares? Like, I, I'm not, he's, his impact is crazy. But to your point that you made earlier, do you feel like teams attack Tavares the way that they should? Especially with, uh, take, a, take a big like yourself where you could probably pull him away from the basket. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, nah, like, I don't think so. I think they more like, because I, I think a lot of uh, teams, like, overcoach it, like, um, like overanalyze it to be honest. Uh, like I think my I had a game against Tavares last year when they came. Like I was I was cooking them. Like I think I had like twenty. We lost the game, but it's just like I mean it it, it wasn't hard for me. Like you know what I'm saying. Like I I'm used to it. Like you know what I'm saying. Like he he just big. He get into his chest a little bit and he can go finish it. Like if he block a few, he block a few. You know what I'm saying. But. Um, I don't know, like, but like I said, I'm still kind of new, so uh, I still got like some NBA uh, st- in my mind still, so it wasn't really a big deal for me. So when the coach says, "No, nah, we're gonna go away from Tavares," I'm like, "Nah, just give it to me. I I know how to. I can. I got it. Like I, I shoot a couple of mid-range jumpers. He got to come out a little bit more, and then nah, I'm doing what I want. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, they don't really play like that uh, style over here, like the ISO style, like. They not really. They don't want you to try to attack. They try to always go away from the so called best defender. Yeah. <laughs> like, but sometimes you need to, you know, put pressure on them. Like you just letting Tavares sit in the paint and come help everybody and block shots from the side. You he look even strength. better. Mm-hmm. Make him yeah. play on ball yeah. defense though. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying. I think that's what he struggled with when he was in the NBA. Like pick and like roll, playing, yeah. guarding somebody with the ball. Like that's make a... him do that. I, especially you know, with so. bigs like yourself, like I was thinking, like Frank Kaminsky. I played my old college teammate coming. Like he's to me, he should be someone who should destroy Tavares. 
Like he can step out to yeah. three. He's just exactly. as big. Like he should be. And but I just feel like that's not generally not a not a point of attack. Yeah, I mean, I, nah. They're gonna try to go away from it as much as possible. I think, but like from watching, uh, like I remember the uh, the Real Madrid Partizan series. I think I was at most of the games, but um, I could tell Brodovich. He was playing around with lineups with, you know, he when he had Smilagic in there, Smilagic had a few good games, the games they won in Madrid, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because he was quick enough to put it on the floor if Tavares came out. And then if he hit a couple threes, I remember they had a, one of the games he yeah. came out, he hit like his first two threes, and then they took Tavares out and they started going small. But yeah, Abradovich was playing Lasore so much, especially in that last game. Yeah, game five, yeah, yeah. and I think that was the issue. And I think Jay, you and I mm-hmm. talked about it. Like I felt like he should experiment putting Lede at the five. You know what I mean? When Smiley gets gets in foul trouble or whatever, just having yeah, yeah, exactly. somebody that can stretch it and uh, you know just yeah, open up the, the floor for punter and you know whoever yeah. Ramovich, you know, so those guys can start turning the corner a little more. But uh, yeah, I think I think Partizan this year. Um, I think having Kaminsky and just any bigs that can either put it on the floor or stretch the floor. It's pretty much the only way, you know. You could, you could, you could try to limit Tavares's impact, but Real Madrid is looking tough this year, bro. Like, man, they, they, they looking, they, tough, they clicking they right tough. now, bro. Yeah, they did. Combazo was what yeah, they needed for real. Oh, for sure. Yeah, last yeah. two years for real. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like last year, I felt like for most of the season, I felt like uh, Nigel was the only one that could get into the paint mm-hmm. when he wanted to. But they weren't yeah. playing them like that. They was playing them like 12 minutes. You know, yeah. and I think that was their problem. But then in playoff time, Nigel saved them a few times. Nah, and then Sergio sure. started getting off late. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what turned their whole season around super late. And they figured that shit out like the last three, four games of the season. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got a funny thing about that. Too. I said, uh, really, y'all but silly saved their season. <laughs> yeah, they was, they was cooked. That whole yeah, they was cooked. They was cooked. <laughs> It was they was cooked. They was cooked. That <laughs> oh, yeah, whole yeah. saved them. Sergio, Sergio, he, yeah. he lit that fire and got up out the house. <laughs> lit that fire around telling you. I was like, man, that whole altercation saved them. Nah, they was, they was, they was, they was they got out of there. No, that for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. no they, they weren't going into Belgrade and winning that last game. Like going down 0-2, like, they weren't going to Belgrade and winning. It was over after that. Mm-hmm. It was over. Yeah, I was like, man, that whole, that little altercation, say they season, and then they end up winning. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I've seen things swing man. like that in basketball. But, nah. Like yeah. One little incident, but, like, yeah, change everything. don't happen nowhere else. Uh, where else that happen? Maybe two twenty sixteen 2016 <laughs> cash, maybe. Like, but, but like, yeah. that, that's not basketball. Like, that nowhere else. <laughs> Who was a buddy that was just talking about the coaches are the problem with Euroleague growth on a, on a podcast? I think it was a Lithuanian cat. I forget his name. Um, did you see that? Oh, uh, is it the, yeah. the podcaster? Erbosa? Er- 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 I yeah, don't you, know how to say his name. You know right? what I'm talking about, though, where he was yeah, saying the coaches. Yeah, whole, so... Do y'all think like coaches' inability? Do y'all would y'all agree with that? Like, do you think coaches need to let go of some of the reins in Euroleague? And then on top of that, why do y'all think European fans have this like fetish with seeing coaches in control? Man, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I think if you got the roster, you need to let the reins go. Like, if you got some guys that can go for real, like 
I think it would be beneficial to let the reins go because sometimes some players just need, like, a little freedom to, like, you know, like kind of read the game and react to the game. Because, uh, you know, because sometimes, like, your game plan don't go the way mm-hmm. you think it's going to go, you know, every time. And you got to have guys that's used to making plays outside of that game plan. And then, because, you know, sometimes in the basketball, like, mind, you get trapped into just, like, all right, pick, roll, pass, pick, roll, pass. And then when that start working and your second option start working, sometimes you need a hooper to just go out there and get stuff done. And then I think that kind of, like, limits some of these, like, good teams or, like, these teams who you say is supposed to win the game or supposed to win the championship, and then they mm-hmm. find they get stuck because they used to, used to playing in a system, and then when your system don't work, where your guy is going to go or your couple guys is going to go make some stuff happen out of nothing. Like, I think in basketball you always need some guys that's going to, like, make some stuff happen from in, from nothing and has the confidence to do that. You know, so sometimes that I think that that has a lot to play into it. So, and then I don't know why the fans like the coach so much. Maybe because they're so animated on the <laughs> sidelines. Maybe. That, and it, like, but like, fans will get mad if the coach man, ain't what? animated. <laughs> That's what's crazy. It's nah, like, for sure. If you like, got they, a chill I, coach, I like they like, oh, he yeah. don't care. Like one loss, yes, and then they, they losing their shit. Like he don't they care. Love it. They love it. I don't know. And then if a player too animated, they'll say something about the player being too animated, but the coach can be, like, overly animated. I don't know. I guess it's just that culture. You know, we got things in our culture that we just do, and then that's just something that they just do, I guess. They just, they just love it when the coach doing something and running up and down the sidelines, screaming at the players, you know, like. That, they just I like mean, it. that used to be a part of American culture, for real. So like I'm just, no, yeah, not sure, yeah. Bob Knight used to yeah, kick, kick the chairs over, break the chair. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I heard, yeah, and yeah, it, it, it did it used to be yeah. You know, but I, I guess t- it's changed to like a money thing. You know, for the NBA, you know, the players is what make the money because they all on the commercials. They the ones. So I, maybe the NBA trying to you know go toward the more monetary, getting the most views and things like that. Your league ain't really worried about that. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the teams in uh in Euroleague like I think I think they do need to kind of let the reins go on certain players. Like you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I think like you look at like a Shabazz Napier. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think Shabazz is kind of being held back a little bit over there at Red Star. I think he's at least yeah. in the beginning of the season he was a little bit too much in the system, and you would see it like he out there trying to feed everybody for the first half, and then he explodes for like 18 in the second half. And it's just, yeah. you know. But he could, he could have had 40 maybe, though. Right, right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think you have certain players where, you know, you just let them, you just let them, especially your guards, you know, because this is pretty much a guards league. Like, you know, if yeah. you let them go and let them create, like, Compazzo, like, they're playing at a whole different pace. He out there creating. Yeah. He getting paint touches and, you know, yeah. spraying the ball all over the floor, like. You know what I'm saying? And and you could make the argument that they probably one of the slower teams in the league. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. But they're still playing at a different pace that, you know, people can't keep up with. And it's all because they letting their guard go. You know what I mean? But yeah. um, you know, and then going to the uh to the whole thing about the fans and the pressure. I was actually talking to a, a Spanish coach the other day. He was coaching one of the teams out here in Spain uh, a few years ago, and he was talking about he had to keep a player on his roster just because he was a fan favorite. You know, and he was like, wow. yeah, this player did some good things and all this other stuff, but he just had no talent. Like, I didn't want yeah. him, 
But because of the, the fans loved him and they got behind him, like management wouldn't let me let him go. And it, it's mm-hmm. crazy to see fans just having that level of impact on a team. Or Hold a on, that's not decision. universal, though? That's you not know, universal? Nah. Fan favorite in the league? What fan favorite you think is hanging nah, on? Yeah. Hanging on? Yeah, what fan favorite you think is what hanging on? What fan favorite is hanging on? It, it's hanging on and don't deserve, don't deserve to play, don't Dom deserve Tazzy. to be on the team. He a vet. I, I don't know if there was a fan thing. That's a, that's, that's a more of a fan thing? Than fans. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a transition. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, that was, that was, I think, yeah, he more like important to the team. I think the fans liked him, but I don't, I think he had more of a role inside the like, locker room. Yeah, really if, they, if they force Udonis into retirement, I don't think the Miami fans will be, you know, yes, exactly. They won't crying be and blowing, blowing smoke and all that other stuff. Like, you know, there's yeah. certain players in Europe, like, <laughs> if a team got rid of them, like, like there's going to be... And the player you know, wasn't doing nothing, wasn't playing at all? No, he oh. was playing. This player, this particular player was playing, but he was saying that when he took the job, he didn't want the player. Oh. You know, but he he had to he had to keep the player and he had to play the player. I'm not saying this is the case in Milwaukee, but when Adrian Griffin took the job, I guarantee he couldn't have got rid of Bobby Portis right away. Even if he didn't want him. I feel like Bobby Bobby has but, a role, though. Well, that's what I'm he saying. Was he yeah, he, he no, he did, but I'm just saying, like, let's say he didn't want Bobby for whatever reason. I bet you there would have been pushback from the fans on getting rid of Bobby. I don't, not that much. You don't think nah, so? They love Bobby much. Portis in Milwaukee. Much. They love yeah. Bobby Portis. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, know. I I don't think it's not from the, not like Europe. I know what you're talking I know you're talking it's about. different. I, I don't think like this. Like, because fans they in are. Europe different. Like, they going to tag the GM, they gonna tag the, tag. Uh, the president. They gonna show up outside. <laughs> they, gonna, they, gonna, they gonna use their account. Yeah, they gonna use the fake account. They gonna uh, they, they gonna hear it all they night. But Israel, they day. showed up at our yeah. practice. <laughs> yeah. In the gym. <laughs> no, yeah, like the Greek fans like, in, well, yeah, they gonna come to the practice and shut it down. I heard one time we got Nick Collector, he said one, the fans came to the practice and like what y'all doing? Like, yeah, like, yeah, ain't we doing need it. answers. Yeah, we need answers to the practice. <laughs> like, nah, that's crazy. I ain't nobody yeah. doing that in the league. Yeah, you back. Hold on. You mentioned too, I wanted to ask you this that you kind of skated over it, but it's real how European coaches will avoid the best defender on the other team. Right? So, have you ever had an experience where, like, like for example, I, my like second year, I was playing against Maccabi, and it was uh, – I don't know why I'm blanking on Buddy's name, right? What was the lefty from Maccabi? Uh, light skin, 6'9". Uh, he's a coach in, in Phoenix. Yeah, oh, Brian, Brian Randall. So, Brian Randall is one of the – I don't know why yeah, Brian blanked on Brian's name. But, well, he was one of the best defenders in EuroLeague and in Maccabi. And our coach was like, hey, don't – you got to switch on him, pass the ball. Do not attack him. So, my stubborn ass went right at him first play. Smack that shit into the second row. Yeah. <laughs> I drew some fouls, got an and one after that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but have you ever, have you ever had the experience with that? Yeah, man, I feel like it happened all the time with me though, because like I'm like like I'm so I'm so called undersized for real. 
But like I said, I was the lean scoring team last year. Like no no plays for real. Like I didn't get I don't I ain't get really like no plays. Like my play was like floppy, throw it to <laughs> my punch. like like that's my play. Throw it to my and like when stuff floppy get bad, punch. throw it to my like Yeah, bro, like that like I don't got too many like plays for real where I can go like I have a screen in the middle and a screen at the top and I go go up how I can come across the baseline. Like I don't really got too many like that. So I think it happened to me because everybody bigger than me, seven foot. So like, he don't be wanting to go to me right mm-hmm. away, like, like from the jump. But I'm like, all right, like I'm I'm really in school, <laughs> my guy. Like I I shoot sixty five percent. Like like come on, like what are we doing? Uh, so I like I said, I just be trying and then trying to like figure out how to stay in the game, and then I know eventually like it'll get to that point where he'll just be like, all right, get them to him now. But I'll be like, I want to start early, though. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let me get the let first get the couple. Let me get like, the rhythm, you know what I'm yeah. saying? The first two. <laughs> yeah, let me get in there early. So, yeah, I feel like it happens all the time to me, though, because everybody bigger than me. So he just be like, all right, nah, we don't really want to go inside. They bigger. He got, they got the, you know, they got the Tavares in there. They got the Mustafa Falls in there. I'm like, bro, that's not no big deal to me, bro. I, I I can go get a bucket and I'm not worried about no size. Off the like, floor, yeah. Like, you know, if we can get a foul. Exactly. Like they not they they not gonna be in. Oh, this is a thing last year too. So you know you know how everybody like. So I'm, I'm the main guy, one of the main guys. So then they I got like dudes in Turkey like on Buya Chekmaje. They dudes who they don't get the ball. They just like all right, throw it to this guy make sure Mott play defense every time. Like, throwing it to the guy they don't even give it to ever. Just just throw it to him and see if he can get fouled. I'm like, dang, I'm not even a guard. Just, like, and they just dribbling, 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 dribbling. Trying dribble. your ass. <laughs> just trying me, just trying me, just trying to get me out the game. I'm like, yo, I got this dude who averages six points a game trying me. Why can't you try him, though, just because he's tall? Like, and, and now he getting confident. Right, right, scared. right, right. Yeah, yeah, Weekends, right. nigga. <laughs> so so we can't, we can't touch it. <laughs> That's crazy, yo. Ain't nothing like in Europe when you got somebody mid coming at you talking shit and you can't do nothing about it just because. <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, shit about it. I swear. I swear I used to do that every time. All right, just see what happens. Try to get on my file. Throw it in there. I'm like, come on, man. Then I don't get to, I don't get to do the same thing. I'm like, all right. Eventually the game go by, I'll still have my do what I do, but like, man, it's just like annoying though. You know what I'm saying? You got dude every five months a game when I trying me. to get 30. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Oh, that was funny, man. <laughs> Yo, I remember I remember back in uh this was a long time ago, but back it was Avery Bradley's rookie year in the G League. And the game before we played him, he had nine steals in one game. So like coach before the game, he's like, listen, tell him all the guards, like, don't play with that ball, like, you know, when he's guarding you. And I think he ended up having like seven steals or something against us. Like he was one of the best defenders no, I ever saw. It'd be different. No, it be different. Yeah, like he was he was crazy, but I mean, how many elite defenders would you say are in EuroLeague right now? Uh we got one, Nadja. Nadja Hayes okay. Davis. He elite. Mm-hmm. Like they they be making him guard point guards. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, he'll go guard the best. Even if he's starting at the foe, he'll go guard the best the best guard. Like, you know what I'm saying? So he that, he having to do that every night, 30, 35, 37 minutes. Yeah. So I, I think Najee, like, he, he a real good defender. Good size, long, athletic. He, he's involved his game Crazy. so much, man. Like. Yeah, nah, like for real. Uh, he he like very important to the team for real. So I think him him just I think to me he like one of the best on ball on the defenders I've seen for real. Mm-hmm. He got little tricks in the trade like that. Uh I ain't gonna give it tricks away, but he got some little stuff he be doing that help him guard. Uh and I just I think all defenders always have like some little some some little things like that that like help them become, you know, great defenders. And he uses his real well, but it's so subtle, y'all don't even know it. But he got a little mm-hmm. trick for sure. Get that from you know where he you know where he went to school, Ant? You know where <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we got we got a little hot button hoop culture question for you, man. Le- LeBron was under fire for not taking the last shot about a week ago in Miami. They lost one oh eight to one oh seven. Drove baseline, drove right, yeah. double came or help came. Kicked it out to Cam Reddish for a missed three. Good good shot. So the question for everybody is, should contested mid-ranges by stars, or I guess quote-unquote glowing for the glory and clutch moments, be glorified like it does, or does LeBron have it right in making the best basketball play in those situations? Uh, for me, man, I think um, <clears throat> LeBron always been a pass-first guy. So I don't know why like everybody be like, you know, giving him so much, like, hate on that. You know what I'm saying? LeBron always – he LeBron not a scorer. He just plays so many minutes that he, like, he end up scoring. He is a good scorer, don't get me wrong. But LeBron always been pass first. He always going to make the right play. And that's why he always on the court so long. You know what I'm saying? So, for for me, I don't think people people acting like it's all surprising. Like, LeBron comfortable doing that. Like, you know what I'm saying? He got confidence in his teammates. He's always done that. Like, so, I think it's – to the player, like you don't really want LeBron shooting contested mid ranges. Like that ain't really what he do. Like you know what I'm saying? He gonna bring all four to the paint and get somebody a wide open shot. That's just what he do. So I, I don't think, I don't think it's really nothing to it. I think it's just depending on what type of player you are. You know what I'm saying? You got Demar Derozan. Okay, yes, Demar Derozan go shoot that mid range pull up that contested because that's what you do. But. I think players always need to stick to what they do best and, like, you know, live with the results for sure. And I think, too, you also have to take into account it's early in the regular season, you know, and and things of that nature. Like, there's probably a lot more to be said about him giving Cam Reddish an opportunity to be a hero and putting some confidence in a Cam Reddish, putting some confidence in some of these role players um, early in the season. That's gonna pay off for him down the road. I think he he probably takes all of to the all of this into an account into account. But I think at the end of the day, kind of like you said, I think LeBron's been known to make the right play. And yeah. you know, if he is gonna shoot a clutch shot, I feel like most of the time it's gonna be a a, a three. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like look, a look, rhythm, at, look at the ball. Three, yeah, yeah, a little, yeah. <laughs> a little rhythm dribble into a three mm-hmm. as opposed to. A lot of times you watch him, it's like, to to Ma's point, it's just not his game. It's like off of an out-of-bounds play. Like, he'll shoot a three off of an out-of-bounds play. It'll be like one dribble off out-of-bounds play or a catch-and-shoot off mm-hmm. of out-of-bounds play, or he'll just get straight to the basket. I feel like the last time I didn't seen him take, like, a mid-rank was that runner 
against against Toronto it was that weird ass runner he hit in. I wouldn't even really admit like that was just a that was a crazy wild. Yeah, yeah. He don't he don't want to do that. Like you know what I'm saying. So you know, you trying to make a player not do what he want to do. Like he got what he. Wanted. I don't know like, if his body works like that. Like I I can't remember. Like I seen LeBron take a pull up off of a live dribble like that. Like maybe. Nah, like mirage. Uh, yeah, he don't do that. Yeah, he got that. That's a lot of that's weight. What, you got to slow down, yeah. man. Yeah, he a train. He to the rim. Like, you you there? If you're not, I'm dunking it. If you're not there, I'm is that it up. is that a, a knock on his game? The fact that he doesn't have that, is that a knock on his game when you're talking about, you know, because obviously it always comes down to, like, not to get into Jordan or whatever, but the Jordan-Kobe discussion, is that a knock on yeah. his game? Nah, I don't, I don't think so. I'm a, I'm a LeBron fan, so I, I think, like, Players like him, like being able, being that big, being that size, being able to pass, dribble, shoot, uh, you know, being able to just control the game for so many points. I think that's like amazing to me. Like, uh, so I think, and and this LeBron, like you know, what I'm saying he's 21 years best player like in the world. So uh, I think just him being him is like you know we need to really appreciate it because you know we ain't gonna see another LeBron. I don't think. Someone with that type of IQ, like basically playing point guard at six eight two sixty, like not that ain't, you ain't, we ain't seen why, that. Why you ain't never? Why we don't never knock Kobe or Jordan for taking them wild ass shots? Because it look cooler. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's similar. It, it, it just look cool. Like when Jordan coming around, Kobe shooting over four people, and then he make it. It look amazing. Like you know what I'm saying, but. You don't really talk about the the 150 of them he missed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but like, but like, as as a basketball fan, as a basketball fan, like, if Jordan two dribble pull up and then kick it out to Ron Harper and Ron Harper miss, what do you think? Good pass. Right to Ron Harper, to Ron Harper, to Ron Harper. Hey man, what, what was you doing? Like, <laughs> what was you doing? Not Ron Harper. Yeah. No disrespect. He's an all-time great, but not Ron Harper. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, dog. It's now, like, I, yeah, I think on he, he teams. To, the, to the play style though. You want Jordan to shoot that shot? Like, yeah. if you know basketball, everybody's saying like, yeah, we want LeBron to shoot that shot, but not really. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because that ain't what he never did. Like, he ain't never shot that shot. Jordan shoot those shots throughout the whole game. LeBron, this is going to be three, dunk, post-game, 10 assists. Like, you were open passes. That, that's what you, That's what this game is. I just, I just hate the idea that people be cool when Jordan and Kobe do that shit and miss. I'm still mad as hell. Like, why y'all ain't make that bullshit-ass shot, man? Pass. God damn. Like, it's yeah. wide open. <laughs> Yeah, no, I just think it look. I think it looked cool. Like it just, it's dope though to see like Kobe go two dribbles inside, three people closing out. He shoot a little fadeaway over the top, like he make it. Like it just, it looks so, it looks so good. You know what I'm saying? It's not an attractive play for LeBron to go to the rim. Four people jump. They want to see him do a crazy Kyrie layup rather than kicking it out for a wide open three. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I also think if you're a mid range shooter and score the 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 amount of options you have as far as shots, yeah. I mean, it's just you got you got way more options. You know what I mean? Yeah, a Kobe the, or a Jordan, like he can pump fade, he can spin, he can half spin, come back. Like there's so many yeah. there's so many options to get to that game winner. 
You know, whereas yeah. LeBron, like, if it ain't that three, once he once he put his head down, this stride's so long. Like, as soon as he breaks the three-point line, he can get to the rim. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's uh, It just makes more sense for him to, uh, if he's not going to shoot the three, to either take off. If he doesn't have a layup, he's got to kick it out. And yeah, for more sure. times than not, there's going to be at least eight hands waiting when, for him at the rim. When we, when we so. was growing mm-hmm. up, I remember you used to say the last shot was like a guard shot. Like, Biggs, just just because of that, for that very reason. But it's interesting, all this, all the guard skills Brian yeah. got, that that's kind of like the one he doesn't have. Yeah. He don't have, yeah. It's I know, so, yeah, it is. But it is. I th- yeah, I think that's why I think Brian did a, like, when he was with Kyrie, like, he did a good job of deferring that, like, when he knew he needed, like, one of them shots. Like, he did a real good job, like, of just deferring that off. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm LeBron, but Kyrie, you better at that. Here, mm-hmm. you got yeah. it. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? That's what made that perfect, I thought, is, like, they yeah. had they had a great... They never, never separated. Like they I, had I, great I, I, they had great role players. You had shooters, so, you know what I mean? You I would had, say would have never separated, yeah. Yeah, they had. Yeah. They if Kyrie, ain't that shit crazy? Like you said, situation. If Kyrie didn't leave and KD didn't do that shit where he went to the Warriors, I, LeBron would be like undeniable. I think they would have won four rings, three, four rings. A hundred percent. I say the same thing. If that, them two never left each other, we wouldn't have been talking about who the greatest ever. We wouldn't even. This wouldn't even be no talk mm-hmm. for real. Mm-hmm. I say the same thing. Yeah. Well, moving on, we got our last segment, Paycheck, Rain Check. Somebody's paycheck is taking a rain check. And today we're talking about Kendrick Nunn. He just signed and played his first game with Panathinaikos. Uh, he played a, played the waiting game, you know, this summer. Didn't sign until late. There was a lot of rumors floating around about where he was going to sign. And uh looks like Ottoman was seemingly frustrated with the start of the season and was able to uh, secure the deal. So the question is, if we're putting money aside for NBA players that are coming overseas, do you think it's better to sign early during the summer uh, before a team is fully constructed or to wait a month into the season and pick where you're going to, you know, or at least pick where you'll anticipate being used more? Oh, all right. You said money aside. Yeah. Money aside. Same bread, same bread. On your side, yo, you wanna you wanna come at the beginning because like your league is very like tedious and structured and and it's hard to walk into a structure and be successful because then you walk in and you're not successful they're gonna be like you horrible. Uh, that's why we ain't want NBA players. Over. You know what I'm saying? It's that little stigma behind it. So like you don't want that on you because like I think that comes fast when you don't produce right away and you like drag it out. If you drag it out and you don't produce right away. It's gonna be bad. So when you come in the summer, you got you got time. You got preseason. Get your feet wet. Coach trusts you a little bit more. Then you got time to like you know be bad a little bit. Get used to it in the preseason, and then all of a sudden the season time now you're ready. So now you got to be bad when the season matters, like, and, or you got to get try to get your feet wet when the season matters, and and that 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 scrutiny gonna come fast. And some people can't handle that. Some people can't handle that. So it, it just depends on your mindset and how you can move through that. I, I agree with you, generally speaking. I think that the, the pressure the pressure is more or higher, whatever, when you come in the middle of the season. However, I feel like when you can go, there is something into being able, especially as an NBA player, going in to be able to save like a dumpster fire in EuroLeague. And there's a lot of opportunity in that. 
And I use like I don't think did Bacon come in the middle of the season to Monaco? He came. Yeah, he, he came, came late. Like, yeah, in the, I'm not late, yeah. but he came after the season had like, already like, started. And they really he filled a yeah. he filled a void that they really really needed. So I would say at a Fenerbahce, at a at a uh, Madrid, whatever. I would say before the season. But if you're talking like uh, shit, maybe not Monaco anymore, but at Asvel, a Berlin. Uh, wanted one of them teams, oh, yeah. like even as Zalgiris, and you can come in there and almost be like yeah. the savior, for lack of a better term, then you can go yeah. from that whatever, that four, five, six, whatever it is, to one something real quick. No, nah, yeah, I, I agree. I think it, the place yeah. matters for sure. The place matters for sure. High-level structure teams, I, you know, but like you said, Monaco at the time, when they was just now, yeah, they were, yeah. Up. You're right. Yeah, and I but think nah, I think we add money into it though. I think <laughs> a month later. Yeah, yeah. Now nah, they desperate. They desperate. <laughs> they gonna, they, they, yeah, they gonna stay desperate. They gonna throw a couple hundred K on there extra. And then the longer you wait, they might throw some more. <laughs> Start just asking yeah. for random shit. Yeah. Give me get an yeah, arcade game in my house. Yeah, nigga. I want this. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> Okay, please come now. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I think the uh I think coming late makes sense for certain players that let's say haven't been to Europe, haven't played in the European system before. If they're going into a situation where they know they're gonna be like an Albert Berlin who's trash and you know you're gonna get minutes, I feel like that's a good situation for a player to come in and know, okay, I'm gonna get time, I'm gonna have you know, I'm not going to have to look over my shoulder and I can kind of, you know, adjust to things. Whereas, like, but like you guys said, like, going into a Real Madrid, you know what I mean, they ain't got time for you to figure it out. <laughs> you know nah. what I'm saying? So nah. it, it, it definitely does come down to to teams and situations and, and, and the type of player you are. And the, and the, mar- yeah, the market sure, matters, sure. too, of course. Like, you got players, like, mm-hmm. especially nowadays, I feel like I got to do a better job. You have the means and the resources now to really, like, observe the market more in like an NBA sense where you'd be like, oh shit, ain't but two shooting guards on the market. Like I could really go and finesse these, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. Yeah, nah, I can get it right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think I low key think he did it. He did it low key right. Cause I know they was trying to get him for a minute. Mm-hmm. And he kept dragging and dragging and dragging. I know that check <laughs> looked good. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. That's all we got for you, man. We appreciate you joining us before you tap out. Make sure y'all check out the Role Player Podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Also, follow along on all social media, YouTube, IG, TikTok, and Twitter with the handle at Role Player Media and on Swiss Culture's YouTube page. I'm Jordan Taylor. It's Anthony Goods, Money Mott. We appreciate you, man. Hopefully, you come back and join us, man. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Have fun, man. Appreciate y'all for sure.